Hello, Hillary, and hello, John. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Great. So thank, uh, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, doing great. Thank you. Well, first, we're going to start by uh, giving a background on who you are and what you do and why you're on this podcast today. Ladies first. Yes. Um, I was a theater kid from the San Fernando Valley and ended up at UCLA and somehow ended up in law school. Just a little bewildered. It was never my plan. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it so much. I was afraid to leave. <laughs> it was a safe, my safe place. Uh, then I ended up pretty early in my career being general counsel to a surf lifestyle brand called Body Glove and Dive and Surf. And I did that for about 16 years. And throughout that period, I had always relied on Robert Lynn to give me externs. And he had handpicked uh, John McGaucus, my colleague now, and Victoria Burke, another other co-professor of the fashion law program at Southwestern. And the rest is history. So now I'm the full-time marketing director or chief marketing communications officer of the law school. And yeah, it, you know, it's it's funny to hear uh, Hillary uh, call, refer to me as her colleague now, uh, given given that I, I I did work for her. But um, yeah, no, a little bit about my background, was born and raised in LA, uh, knew I always wanted to do something in entertainment, uh, but after college, decided to go to law school and see if I could make a career as a lawyer, work with, with entertainment. Um, I frankly didn't know I was going to be doing anything in fashion law for, for a little while, but uh, early on in my law career, I found myself representing a lot of influencers. Um, and because of that, I sort of fell into working on a lot of, of contracts that uh, dealt with fashion. And um, as, as Hillary mentioned, when I was in law school, I had uh, externed for her at Body Glove uh, and really liked uh, that externship, learned a lot about trademark law in that. And, you know, so much of fashion law is trademark law. Uh, and we've stayed in touch since I graduated and started practicing. And when I heard that there was an opening to, to co-teach with her on the fashion law class, I, I jumped at it. Yeah, I really like that. It's like a full circle moment, especially with um, when I talked to Hillary, we talked about how like the fashion law course originally wasn't an actual course. It was just a summer program. And she actually brought it to the school and created this. So Hillary, talk about um, like that process of doing that and your inspiration. What's ironically, Victoria and John were my inspiration because I had been out of law school for a number of years. The fa term fashion law didn't really exist. Entertainment law was like the, the hot thing and people were just realizing um, how broad that practice area was. I know I'm not being uh, filmed, but I'm still talking with my hands. So yeah. <laughs> friends can appreciate that. Um, so that's why I'm gesticulating wildly. Uh, so uh, it was Vicky, I think one day, Victoria Burke, Professor Burke, she said, you should teach fashion law. The person doing it right now, yeah, you know. And I said, what, what's that? She's like, that's what you do, dummy. <laughs> I didn't say dummy, but um, then she took it upon herself to create like this curriculum of what a fashion law course would look like and worked with uh, Professor Lind on that and then presented it to me. But even then at first it was, it was, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. We're not sure, they didn't really know what to do with it. Um, then it was going to be a summer course and then it became an intercession course, which is 
four nights in a row, it's rapid speed. And it was fine. It was interesting, but you could barely wet your whistle and you can barely learn any practical skills. And that's really what I love about our course is that it has evolved into a two unit upper division IP elective. Students tell the other students, hey, if you wanna learn how to file a trademark, you wanna learn how to do something, write a cease and desist letter, don't take trademark. Sorry, trademark professors, take fashion law. You will learn how to do all of that. And so I think now it has really evolved into a skill-centered, client-centered course. That's just, it's so wonderful to teach it with two colleagues that have uh, three of us with all different areas of expertise. And, and yes. the fact that it's, that it's, it's so skills focused, I think is what makes it a great class because, you know, there's so much commentary around, you know, how much does law school prepare you to be an actual lawyer? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this class really does, uh, you know, teach you some important things that you're going to experience when you're out practicing. Um, and, and, and what else I like about it is that I think you, at least from my experience, interacting with some of the students, you attract some students that may have never taken a trademark law class because they're just maybe not into that or that doesn't appeal to them ostensibly. Um, but they like the idea of fashion. And so you bring them into yeah. this course and then they get an introduction into copyright law, trademark law, patent law, and all this stuff. And I was actually, um, I was going to ask you that next, like with it being such a class that you learn so much skill and you were in the class, like, how would you say that that um, has really prepared you within your, because uh, you have your own law firm, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So how, how would you say that that's prepared you, um, like having your own law firm specifically? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I actually think that the, the class has made me a better practicing lawyer. Wow. Um, because what I've come to find is that the better I can articulate something, to somebody who doesn't doesn't yet understand it, mm -hmm. the the better the better a lawyer I'm going to be. Yeah. So if I have a client, you know, if I can let them in on the process, if I can explain things to them in a way that's easily digestible and understandable to them, um, they're going to be better off and they're going to be happier with with my my work. Um, and so, teaching the class has taught me how to teach, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then and then the, the great thing about a class that's practical skills focused is that, you know, I mean, I, half the time I just get to talk about war stories, which is fine by me. Yeah, <laughs> students love that. They love that. It makes it real. And I, you know, every lawyer or law student at some point, someone's going to come up to them and say, like, all three of these things. Can you get me out of a traffic ticket? Can you get me out of jury duty? Can you... Can, I, can you register this blah 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 as yeah. a trademark like it's cocktail talk it's 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 just it's going to happen yeah everyone like, wants to have a t-shirt line at some point in their <laughs> yeah. life we've all wanted it just own it we've all wanted a t-shirt line <laughs> and with fashion law emerging like in the united states like the reason so let me preface uh everybody who's listening right now so Victoria Burke, the professor that they both keep uh, referencing, was actually supposed to be a part of this episode, but she is currently doing something with legislation within this specific um, topic. So I won't be able to talk to her now, but hopefully I'll be able to talk to her soon. But it's actually really cool that that's the reason why she can't come on here right now. And like with the United States, like being 
this way as opposed to Europe, because this is a part of a series where I actually already talked to um, the author who wrote the European fashion law book, and she was talking about how it's a lot more like fluid and more understanding and, and noticed fashion law over there. Like, what, what would you say that you've kind of seen in your own way of maybe like you've had hesitation from like maybe a judge or just like seeing that it, it is something that's more new and harder to do rather than like another law field? Well, I, I, I can I can speak to, you know, what the, the thing that I know, because it's so much a part of my practice is is uh, working with influencers um, who are driving fresh fashion trends. Yeah. Um, creating fashion brands um, and and really a big part of what fashion law is now. And that wasn't the case 10 years ago. So. Yeah. Um, just the advent of that whole field, creating a, essentially a new vertical of talent. You know, I mean, when you look at entertainment law and if you're a talent lawyer, you know, there's writers, directors, actors. Well, now there's an entirely new vertical, right? It's yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's the, there's the typical players in the field, you know, in terms of the, the entertainment firms, the boutique entertainment firms that represent talent, um, mm. And, and, and they, you know, they all have influencer divisions now and or attorneys that focus on representing influencers, but um, it, it's the part of uh, it's the part of the practice area that I think is, is that I've seen like come up because I mean, that, that term didn't even exist. Like I remember yeah. when I, yeah, I, when I, when I first started practicing and I, when I came out of Southwestern in 2011, and I, I was looking for clients, you know, they were like the, the digital clients were called YouTubers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> or like Tumblr people. Yeah. 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 And, and then it, you know, then it evolved into vloggers and, and, and that is still sort of a thing, but, but now it, it very much just is a, a field of representing influencers, which, which we're, we're very much part of. And so that, that's the, that's the area that I've seen a lot of development in. Um, and, and I'm excited for where it's going. Yeah, because yeah. I honestly didn't know. Sorry, Hillary. I oh, honestly did not know that influencers got attorneys. Like, I really didn't. But it makes it makes a lot of sense. But I really did not know that. Yeah, I mean, that didn't probably regret it. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you get some of that still. You know, I mean, you, you, occasionally, you know, I'll, uh, when I'll be working on a transaction and there'll be multiple parties involved, and you know, you'll see an influencer who's like, whose parent, who's like a real estate lawyer is helping them review their contracts, you know? So, mm -hmm. so you still get a little bit of that, but um, it, it's definitely recognized now. Um, and, and that's, and that's a good thing because the deals are, are not simple. I mean, I, I don't think it's as complicated of a area of entertainment law as say like television production, like, you know, yeah. understanding how to do a TV production deal is, is, is hard, but um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely the, the deals are specific, um, particularly when you start representing some of these clients that are, um, that are doing like co-branding opportunities with, with larger companies to launch a new product line. Those, those joint venture agreements can be pretty complicated. Yeah. And then just going back to your original thought about why it's getting so much attention or why it's a thing here. Um, I'm going to go, John has all the exciting war stories. I have like the boring law stuff. Um, there's a lot more protection for fashion in Europe. Yeah. And even in Asia and Australia. So because I'm going to say it, John's heard me say it a million times. He probably says it too. There is no U.S. protect, no U.S. copyright protection for fashion design. Something that just blows minds. 
So uh, because of that, trademark has kind of become the heart of, yeah. of fashion law and has really blossomed. But it's basically just scrambling to find some way to protect what the creators are creating and just using whatever's available. So copies, copyright's not available. It is in Europe. Uh, it is uh, Spain, Japan, Milan, that's Spain, same thing. Uh, Israel, Australia, but not here. So it has created this whole other body of law that kind of surrounds it and, and makes it uh, possible to protect some textiles, some designs, yeah. some, trademarks definitely branding that's why brands are slapped on everything and so that's the only way you can really protect it sometimes yeah. that's boring but it's true sorry yeah. like even I cannot remember the brand for the life of me like I'm I can literally see the design right in my face right now but I cannot remember it but there is this brand um recently that they were able to copyright the pattern that they use on a specific clothing and um, Pretty Little Thing, which is like a fast fashion, like, you know, store or whatever, copied the exact um, dress, like basically down to the pattern. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, like they can't get protection because in America, blah, blah, blah. But nobody knew that although they couldn't copyright the actual dress, they could copyright the pattern. And so now it's like a lawsuit yeah, and things yeah. like that. And it's like so interesting because a lot of brands, like they say that one of the things that's hardest for them when they're starting is knowing like, dang, should I copyright this? Should I trademark this? And it's like, okay, now I have to get a lawyer or now I have to do it myself and it's going to cost all this money. So like, what are some tips that you would give an upcoming fashion brand who really feels like they have something that they feel like needs to be protected? Go ahead, John. I, 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 I think that that's, that's a great question, first and foremost. Like, you know, I mean, I think that some version of that question should be asked about any new business in any field, you know? Um, but in the field of fashion, my, my, my advice, and, you know, some people may disagree with me about this, but, you know, I, I, I think that more effort and resources should be spent on market penetration mm -hmm. with your product than on trying to defensively just protect, um, for this, for the same reason, for the, for exactly the reason that Hillary explained, right? I mean, there's, there's no one body of law that you can rely on to defensively say, you know, I'm going to put a fence around, you know, a, a, a theoretical fence around this concept and nobody can use it and I'm just going to hold it. So, you know, you can register trademarks and, and, you know, develop a brand around the products that you're selling. Um, and you can, but, but you might as well be spending you know, less money on lawyers and more yeah. money on new products, new releases, marketing and advertising to get those products out into the, into the world, get them on influencers and, you know, get people yeah. wearing them and, 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 and just make an impact in the market. Um, and that's where you should be spending your money is, is my opinion. You'll never get that advice probably from any other lawyers, but us, mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's like how we make our bread and butter. But yeah. I really, I really agree, John, because I'm, I spend more of my time talking people out of getting trademark registrations. It's like, look, I'm happy to do it. You have an extra 600 bucks to spend fine, but yeah. Put the little TM symbol like that. Use that for a while. Put the proper yeah. notice down that it's a trademark. Of, you're claiming it as a trademark. And let's get together in a year or two and see yeah. how that's going. And it's still, yeah. you can't sue in federal 
court, but you still have a lot of rights just by putting people on notice like, hey, this is, I'm using this as a trademark. Plus yeah. a lot of things that people think are trademarks aren't trademarks. Yeah. <laughs> Big design on your middle of your shirt is not a trademark. Yeah. It's an ornamental graphic. It's yeah. not and, trademarkable. And, 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 you know, because there's no copyright protection for fashion law and because you've got to focus mainly on, like, if you're going to protect anything, you're going to protect the brand through trademarks and, and you know, patents may be, you know, there may be design patents, but because it's so much of the focus is on trademarks, I, that I think that especially you should just go out in the marketplace because, you know, again, a business owner might not understand that with trademarks in particular, it doesn't matter whether you've got the registration right away. You need to be using the mark in commerce in order to get your registration anyway. So you might exactly. as well just start using it and put it out in commerce, um, you know, and then, and then as Hillary is saying, revisit the registration, you know, once perhaps at that point, the brand is, is, is a fame, you know, can be a famous mark exactly. because you've spent money on marketing. You've gotten the product, you know, written you up. You have sales. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Cause Cause at the end of the I, day, nothing really means anything unless there's a sale. So, um, great advice, free advice, people listen, take heed. Um, it's it's really real. It's our class also back to the class is very business focused licensing business. You know how to handle a difficult client, how to manage a client, how to give good advice to your client, how just a lot of very very practical practical skills and lawyering skills, business skills, if you will. Yeah. So now we can move to like the day to day side. Like of course I know lawyers don't necessarily work every single day on one client or things like that but what it, what would you say like your day-to-day -day on your most busiest day with a client would be research really yeah <laughs> it's like so, okay so researching like like the u.s patent uh trademark office like what do you mean like by research um so because i'm a, a solo person or i just refer as much business as i can to john because i'm not really i'm semi-retired but um <laughs> It's basically someone wants to do X and I just go to town. So it is, I do search the traditional USPTO, but I also do common law searches. I'm all over Google. I'm all over the movie titles. I'm all over any database I can get my hands on. And then you have to dig down and it, the USPTO, people don't understand. It's like a trademark lesson in and of itself. Because yeah. when you pull up a mark, say a competitor, like, oh, you, your, your business is kind of like this. Okay, let me pull up kind of like this. And yeah. I look at kind of like this and I can see everything that they filed, all the office actions that happened, how they got around them if they did, how many people have filed and gave up, how many people filed and then abandoned, how many people filed and then were blocked by the USPTO. So like when someone says, oh, I'd like to file this XYZ trademark and I go, no, that you, you can't do that, that'll never work. <laughs> like I know that instinctively. But then I, I can't just say that. I'm like, well, let me do a clearance. Give me like three or 400 bucks just to spend on this research. And, and I'm just basically now proving what I already yeah. knew to be true. And I hate giving people news they don't want to hear. You know, and people push me all the time. I'll just go ahead and do it. It's okay. So a big CYA email goes out against my better judgment. You've instructed me to file, you know, usually it's a descriptive mark that people don't know what that means. And I, I didn't get permission, so I can't say the client, but it was a very descriptive mark. They've been using it a really long time. I thought it's worth a shot, but 
you know, that it comes back and at least I feel vindicated. Like this has been descriptive. I'm like, oh, I told you that Yeah. three months ago, but sometimes people just want to spend six or seven or a thousand dollars just because they have it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in terms of my day to day, that the, it's 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 all over the place because just just so you have a little bit of understanding of my firm, we're pretty much half and half transactions and litigation. Mm-hmm. So um, we do both. We're essentially a full service entertainment firm. Um, so my day to day can really run the gamut from like it can be a lot of different things. I mean, uh, one aspect of it is some similar to what Hillary does in terms of like registering trademarks for businesses and for individual clients. And we do the same type of research. Um, but, you know, most often my day is a mix of, you know, there's some brief writing that I'll be doing for a motion that needs to be filed in, you know, a copyright infringement or a trademark infringement case. Um, I'd say maybe two to three days a week, I've got a hearing that I've got to show up to in the morning um, or not show up anymore, but be on, oh, yeah. be on, be on call. Um, He's not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and then, so I'll, I'll spend some of the day brief writing, but then also, you know, in any given week, there's one or two contracts that I'm negotiating. So, you know, that process is, you know, talking to the client, um, getting a set, reviewing the agreement, then talking to the client, getting a sense of what's important to the client, what we need to focus on in terms of making revisions and then taking those revisions to um, the other side, whether it be a studio, a network, or a brand that wants to engage an influencer. Um, and so, and then once I've had that conversation, then I have a call with, with the brand and we negotiate the deal and then they send me red lines back and then we review those red lines, go through with the client, make additional red lines. And, you know, we're going back and forth. So um, it's, it's a mix. Um, and I, I frankly prefer it that way. Um, I think if I was doing the same thing all the time, that would, that would not be what I would prefer. Uh, and I think some people would love that, but, but that's, that's not, that's not how I roll. <laughs> yeah. I, I did that at NBC. I was trademark counsel and within, I thought, Oh, this is the best job ever. I'm staying the rest of my life. And I'm like, I, cannot do another yeah <laughs> i will like put something in my eye it, it just gets really it becomes a grind it becomes monotonous yeah and that's why they bring in young lawyers to do that while they're still excited and there's a, a lot to be learned not saying there isn't absolutely it, does, it gets boring and then you want to go on to the next thing and absolutely. that's one one good thing about having a full service firm and john i do appreciate it because now when my people don't listen to me, then they end up at John's firm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, there's two other things about like doing both transactions and litigation, which I think is still unique amongst firms. Um, to, you know, some firms focus yeah. on one or the other. Most firms yeah. focus on one or the other. Um, but I think you're a better transactional attorney if you have litigated or litigate because you understand what all the boilerplate terms mean in practice Mm -hmm. and, you know, being a good like contract attorney really requires an ability to think a few steps ahead, you know, like to look at it, to look at a deal and look at a particular term and say, why do I need this? Why does my client need this or not need this means being able to play out scenarios in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you've seen those scenarios play out in litigation before, it's just, it, it's so much easier to know why those are there and what you need to do to change them. Um, 
And then just in general, like, it's great to be on transactional calls with like, you know, when, when I'm negotiating a deal and everybody's rah, rah, everybody's really on the same side, you know, everybody wants to get a deal done. Like it's, it's all fun and games, you know, but, but I, I don't think I would like to have those conversations all the time. Like every yeah. once in a while I want to have. Right. Too yeah. much happiness. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while I want to have like a little bit of a, of an let's aggressive argue. call. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Let's, let's argue a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, no, thank you guys so much. It's been a really good conversation. I've learned a lot. I hope everybody listening has learned a lot as well. But I always end with this question with everybody, no matter if they're an attorney, a paralegal designer, creative director, who is your favorite designer and why of all time? Coco Chanel, hands down for so many reasons. One of the things I love about her is, well, her clothes are phenomenal. And no, I don't, I don't own any vintage Chanel. I'm really jonesing, but um, she did not care if people copied her. She didn't care at all. She thought it was high praise and she just went on and, and did something different the next season anyway. She never worried about it. Um, I, I just love that about her. I, I wouldn't say I have a favorite individual designer, but my favorite brand um, is, is the surf brand Ruka. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if either of you are familiar with them. It's uh, cool. excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're they're really cool. I, I I just love the look and feel of their clothes. Um, and and then also just recently because I'm 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 really into boxing. I used to I used to box oh, and I still do train cool. a little bit. And they they actually just did a collab with Everlast, the boxing company. So they yeah, gloves and clothes, like workout clothes and stuff too. So I like where they've kind of moved into like like fight gear and and workout clothes, which is pretty cool. And yeah, they're a cool brand. I learned something new about you today. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say boxing. I would never get that from you. That's really cool though. <laughs> well, oh, he's a fighter. He's definitely a fighter. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much.